Welcome to the Property Management Brainstorm Show with Bob Preston. Bob is the president, owner, and broker of North County Property Group, the fastest growing and top-ranked property management company in North County, San Diego. This podcast is for property owners and investors who are considering hiring a professional property management company to manage their property assets. You'll hear from leading professionals on the best practices surrounding the San Diego rental market, what's involved in successfully renting your property, and how to make sure your property is managed correctly. Now, here is your host, Bob Preston. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Property Management Brainstorm Podcast. I'm Bob Preston, your host of the show, broadcasting from our little studio at the North County Property Group office in Delmar, California. And today we are going to talk about property management banking. Not a particularly exciting topic, but specifically we'll be talking about the broker trust account. And this is a hugely important topic when considering renting your property or hiring a property manager. I have with me today by telephone from Boston, Massachusetts, our banking officer for North County Property Group, Allison DeSaro of Seacoast Bank. And Allison has built a banking business or banking practice around property management companies like us and real estate brokers. So she's very well uh, qualified to discuss this topic. So Allison, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to well be here in spirit, I suppose, since I'm in Boston. But <laughs> No, it's great. And we've got a good connection. So it's, it's terrific. Now, you just moved to Boston, right? So that's, it's a pretty exciting time for you. Yeah, just just relocated to Boston. Um, still, still with Seacoast Commerce Bank. Still, you know, working in the same capacity. I'm just, I was always kind of doing it nationally anyway. So it's mm-hmm. more about a landing spot. So yeah, we we just got out here a couple of weeks ago and getting all settled. So now it's back to reality. Terrific. And maybe you can just briefly tell us about yourself, uh, Seacoast Bank, what you do for the bank, and yeah, um, the like. Of course. So. I, Seacoast Commerce Bank is headquartered in uh, San Diego, California. However, we do have several, and please don't quote me on this number because I feel like we're constantly adding more, but I'd say probably around 16 different loan production offices throughout the um, 50 states right now. So we do have a national presence, but again, like I said, headquartered in San Diego. Yeah, I noticed you just made an acquisition, the, the uh, Seacoast, right? Wasn't... Uh... Yeah. Yes, we actually just acquired another bank called Capital Bank. Mm-hmm. Our holding company acquired them. So it, we're really merging Seacoast Commerce Bank and Capital Bank together. But Capital Bank is merging into Seacoast Commerce Bank by Seacoast Commerce Bank Holdings, which is our holding company. Okay. So yeah, but they're, they're also California-based. And what I do at the bank, so uh, my position is uh, I'm the Senior Vice President of Property Management Banking at Seacoast. I've been there since uh, very early 2010. What that really means is, is I only bank property management companies. And the benefit to the management companies is that I specialize in the compliance on the trust accounts for the brokers. So people call it a few different things. People call it escrow accounts, sure. trust accounts. But really, it's a broker-held trust account on behalf of his, his owners and tenants. So I specialize in the compliance on that. I'm sure I'm getting a little bit ahead of us, but many, many banks, the majority of banks, I'd say, do not get it right when they set up these trust accounts. And that is all I do. So I just stick to what I'm good at and try not to do anything else. 
Well, that's terrific. I mean, that's what attracted me to Seco's Commerce Bank. You came to see me originally. This is a few years ago, and we started talking trust accounts. And previous to that, I was never able to get my bank, who will go unnamed, <laughs> to understand mm-hmm. what I was trying to do. So I was never confident it was set up properly. So now we now we have it set up properly. We'll, like you say, we'll get into that here in a minute. But if there are any other, you're not a consumer bank, so there wouldn't, you know, consumers wouldn't be the people to contact you. But if we happen to have any property management companies who are listening and they were to want to reach you, what's the best way to to contact you? Sure. Well, the very best way to contact me is it is my business line, but it's actually my cell phone. So as you know, I'm always you know at meetings or wherever. So cell phone is best. My number is 619-988-6708. My email address is a desaro a d i s as in Sam a r r o at sccombank.com. So it's s c c o m b a n k dot com. Again, like I said, cell phone is really best. Best to just call me. We can have a quick conversation about you know. Right what your banking is like right now and, and what the differences may be. Great. And I'd be happy to refer Allison if anybody wants to get a hold of us. If you're listening to this, you probably know how to get a hold of North County Property Group as well. So now Allison is not an accountant per se. So we're not going to be getting into accounting concepts today, but rather the topic is more oriented to why it's so important for a property management company to have their banking aspects really dialed in properly and set up properly. So with that, let's dive right into the subject matter and talk banking. So this notion of the broker trust account is one of the very first things I learned back when I was studying for my broker's license is that I was going to have to have one, right? And so maybe we can just talk about the definition of the broker's trust account. What exactly is it? Uh, maybe we can start with that. And uh, if I'm sure you, you have a pretty good grasp on that on that aspect. Yeah, of course. So the broker, well, in layman's terms, the broker trust account is account that the broker holds all property related funds in. So rents, security deposits, maybe you have reserves, maybe you're holding on to money for a large project. Any of that goes into a trust account. What the reason why it must be a trust account is because it, it even though it is in the broker's tax ID number, it's holding funds that do not belong to him. So anytime you're holding funds that do not belong to you, they have to be held in trust. The non-layman's terms, I'll tell you on from California, their business and professions code, I think it's code 10145, states that brokers who accept funds belonging to others subject to real estate or property management transactions, they have to deposit those funds into a bank account. It has to be designated as a trust account and separate from general business accounts. So again, back to layman's terms, anything that does not belong to the broker gets held in trust. Okay, yeah. So, so those funds are being held for the technical term would be a beneficiary. It is for an, a beneficiary, but the majority of the time, especially in California, there are multiple beneficiaries within that account. So it limits, or not limits, it helps the beneficiaries their funds completely avoid any risks that may come against the broker for any reason, which we will certainly get into, I'm sure, but it just keeps everything separate. So if the broker, something happens to the broker, trust funds are, are held separately. Yeah, let's talk about that now because it, it it's true. And one of the reasons that trust, and by the way, we talk about the broker's trust account. This applies to real estate agents or real estate brokers who are more selling and, and helping people buy Homes, but it also applies to property managers because to be a property manager, you have you have to be a licensed broker, correct? Yes, you must be in California. There are some states where you don't have to be a licensed broker, but 
yeah, this is for a broker trust account. Typically, if it were an agent selling, they would just hand it over to an escrow company, typically. Mm -hmm. But no, yeah, the broker trust account is the same for a property management company. That's what we call it. Okay. So how if I'm a homeowner and I entrust maybe a deposit or if I'm a tenant and I entrust a rent deposit with a property management company and it goes into the broker trust account, what does that do for me? How am I being protected or or is it, you know, how is it perhaps more safe than maybe just giving it to somebody who puts it in their normal bank account? Okay. So there's we can talk about a few kind of scenarios, which I, I just I just think is a better way to Sure. To yeah, go for it. So a broker or or the property manager, the property management company is always worried about a failed audit. That could affect the broker if it wasn't if those funds were not set up. If those funds were not put in the trust account, that's one of the main ways that would affect the broker if they were to fail an audit because it wasn't in a true trust account. However, many people don't really realize that it it affects more often than not, it affects the tenant or the owner more so than the broker, not a failed audit, but these risks that I'm, I'm about to discuss. So mm-hmm. let's say, for instance, there was a franchise tax board lien against the broker, which ha- which happens often. You know, it's not necessarily it, it is it is not considered a favorable thing, but it does happen often. It doesn't really speak negatively about the broker. But let's say that there's a lien about that. Or, or there's it could be some other event. It could be a lawsuit or heaven forbid, yeah. like a bankruptcy or something that causes funds to be frozen of the bro- of the broker or the property management company, right? Exactly. And especially in a property management industry, there are usually plenty of lawsuits and it's usually between the tenant and the, mm-hmm. the um, property management company. But so if any of that were to come, the way that that process would work is, let's say for instance, it was a franchise tax board, they would submit a letter of collection, or we call it a lien, to uh, the bank. And basically it says any funds under this tax ID number must be frozen. So the bank would pull that tax ID number. If they pull, they could pull accounts on the broker's tax ID number that are operate, uh, you know, a business corporate operating account or a payroll account and the trust account, because typically these, these trust accounts are held under the broker TIN um, as trustee for the beneficiaries. So if that account was not set up correctly, then all of those funds would be frozen because it's not really a trust account. Mm-hmm. Now, if it were truly a trust account, then the bank would be able to freeze the the corporate operating account, the payroll account, the maintenance account, but they would not be able to freeze that trust account. Okay. So now, of course, if they did freeze that trust account, that's how that would affect the owner and tenant. You basically have no access to their money because the broker can't access that money and send it to them. So it puts the funds that don't belong to the broker into a safe place that can't be touched by any interest outside of quote-unquote beneficiaries, the property owners and the tenants, right? Exactly. And a- another risk that I don't want to say happens often, but it's, it's likely to happen, is the lack of FDIC insurance on those mm-hmm. accounts. So again, FDIC insurance right now, and, and years ago, this didn't really matter for a while because between... Don't quote me on this, but I want to say between 2007 and 2012, I believe, depository uh, FDIC insurance for non-interest-bearing accounts was unlimited, but now it's back to 250000 So any non-interest-bearing funds at the bank are only insured up to 250000 but that's 250000 per tax ID number. So a lot of people will say, oh, okay, I have 500, you know, I'm just throwing out random numbers, but I have $500,000 in 
trust funds, I'm going to open up two different trust accounts. That doesn't matter because it's still under the broker's tin. The way that it should be set up if it were a true trust account is that each beneficiary within that trust account, so the beneficiary being the owners or the tenants, is insured up to $250,000. Now, again, let's say that your bank was going under. I mean, you would most likely this day and age know about six months ahead of time. But let's say your bank is going under. The FDIC is going to come in and they're going to pull that. They're going to say, for conversation purposes, they would say, here's a million dollars for XYZ company's tax ID number. Out of that million dollars, 200, or yeah, let's say, well, let me say 500,000 of that is trust accounts. So 500,000 is insured because we have all the beneficiary information. And then the other 500,000 is only insured up to 250,000, even though it's the same tax ID number. So Again, so if that were to happen, that's how the another way that the owners and the tenants could lose their money. Because if it were not set up in a true trust account, then it's really insured two hundred fifty thousand, no matter how many accounts the broker has at the bank. Okay, so the bottom line here is it's really important if you're hiring a property manager to make sure that they have a broker's trust account and that mm-hmm. it's been set up with a federally insured bank, right? Like like you guys are. And uh, set up properly into what's known as a trust account. Have you come across property managers that don't do it that way, that don't have a a true trust account, or maybe don't understand the concept and have done it incorrectly? All of the time. I, yeah, like I said, I've been doing this since early 2010, so about eight years now. And I can probably count on less than two hands how many bank statements I have seen that were set up correctly. Interesting. For companies. Outside of yours, right? (laughs) Yes, of course. We're good. We're with Allison. So, North County Property Group is set up. When I'm moving companies over, I collect (laughs) their bank statements. And typically, I can tell just by looking at the bank statements. The other way you could tell is by looking at, you really want to look at signature cards. However, I rarely see the signature cards from other banks. But you want to know, you would know by the statements and the signature cards. If it were a true trust account. On top of that, there are many other things that go into it as well, as such as collecting beneficiary information, um, just the list of owners from companies when they first come over. So um, yeah, I see it happen all the time. It's a very taboo subject in your industry and in ours, because when we're all becoming bankers, we're not by any means top of rules on any state's Department of Real Estate standards for what makes it a trust account. And it's much different because let's say, for instance, you have a family trust, right? Like I, we have a family trust, DeSaro family trust, you know, dated July 2013. Right. And you have a trust agreement that's documented and spells all this out. So it's a little bit different, right? Yeah. So we walk into our bank, we hand them our certification of trust, our, like you said, our trust agreement, and they can go ahead and they can set up the trust account correctly. Now, as a property management company, you're not going to have any of that information. So you need to go with a bank that actually understands what you need. And what typically happens, pretty much always what happens actually, is that a property management company goes to open up a trust account with their bank. And the banker, first of all, usually doesn't even know what they mean by I need to open up a trust account because they'll say, I need to open up a trust account. They'll ask for that documentation, which of course is something you won't have. And then and then they will they will just go ahead and set up uh, basically a banking, a checking account that then is nicknamed trust account. Yes. 
So the nickname of trust account is no different from you having a payroll account or a corporate operating account. It's absolutely no different. It's just like you opening up North County Property Group and then payroll account. So the statements can certainly fool someone. I mean, I already I know when I look at them, but to the naked eye or or somebody non-banking to look at and know that it's just a, a nickname on an account. So when a broker or a property manager is setting up a broker trust account the proper way, what kind of documentation is required? It's pretty pretty straightforward, right? It's actually very straightforward. It's actually really simple. So th- there are rules when it comes in California. Let me just preface that first because it, every state has different... Yes, correct. ...who can sign and who cannot. However, just back to what I was saying real quick, there are the Department of Real Estate rules for each state, but then on top of that, that there are the federal rules as well, what makes it a trust account. Mm-hmm. So you got to know both and you got to be able to combine the two. So I'm blanking on what the question was. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, was how, well, what's the documentation oh, required the documentation, to set up? I'm sorry. So, kind of the process for setting it up. How long does it take? Yeah, sure. Sorry about that. So, so in California, if you were to come to me and say, do you want to open up a trust account? Just basic entity information, the same entity information that you would need to open up your corporate operating account. However, then I'm going to go or someone from my team is going to go on the Department of Real Estate website, confirm that you are the broker. That mm-hmm. the, corp- the corporation is actually, the Department of Real Estate actually considers the corporation the broker. Mm-hmm. And then you're the, you, Bob Preston, are the designated broker for the right. corporation. But we'll go on, we'll search the corporation name and see who the officers and broker are for that corporation. And so then we know who's allowed to sign on the signature card. As the trustee, right? Yes. Yes. But actually, the way that we're going to prepare that signature card is because the corporation is actually considered the broker in the Department of Real Estate size. On the legal name of business, when you're looking at a signature card, every signature card, they all look different, but there's always a legal name of business, of course. And the legal name of business, which of course is just North County Property Group, is actually going to say, on our signature card, North County Property Group as trustee, I client see. trustee. Okay. Or and, and really, you can call it whatever type of trust account you want. It just has to say trust account. So you could call it as trustee broker trust account, as trustee operating trust account, but that trust account has to be in there. And the as trustee has to be in there. So the broker is... that. That's what people always get mixed up because people say, oh, well, the legal name of business says North County Property Group, but then on the signature line for the, the designated broker, that says as trustee. That certainly will help you in an audit. But again, for federal rules, we want to ensure that that as trustee designation is actually in the legal name of business as well. Okay. So if I'm a uh, person, an individual homeowner who's considering hiring a property management company, are there a few simple questions I could ask just to confirm that if I give you my funds, they're going to be in a proper trust account? <laughs> What's the sniff test on that, I guess, is what I'm asking. Sure. So we actually just went through this. And actually, I'm, I have to apologize. I'm just going to step back one quick moment sure. and tell you, we, I didn't actually finish um, oh, sorry about that. the documentation, but that's okay. <laughs> I blanked on it. The other piece of documentation after we get all the signature cards and all that stuff and we verify the Department of Real Estate's information, we then ask for a list of beneficiaries that you can pull from your software. It's just of your owners. And we know that your owners and your tenants turn over mm-hmm. all the time. But it is the, and we do that for FDIC insurance purposes. 
So it is an aggregate number. So if you're, you know, a well-established company, which of course you are, we just need that that list from right from the beginning. And then you can update it once a year if you'd like. But at the end of the day, it just shows that you have an adequate amount of beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Because then in the event of that FDIC takeover, let's say, the FDIC would verify that you have that many beneficiaries. And then it's up to you to disperse via your bookkeeping um, records on your software and all of that. Okay, terrific. So I'm sorry. So back to the other question. So I actually... This has happened many times, but um, I actually just a few weeks ago did this for a company. So as a landlord or a homeowner looking for a property management company, you can certainly ask your prospective property management company if they're in a trust account. And I don't want to say that they would be lying because I will tell you the majority of customers that I have brought over or even companies that I don't bank and I just know through the industry and for one reason or another, they don't bank with me. They all think that they're in a trust account. And the reason for that is because their bank tells them that they are because their bank doesn't have a real understanding more often than not. They do, but it's typically because their bank. And your typical retail bank is what we're, you know, like (laughs) doesn't really understand this concept to the degree that you guys do. Yeah, it's usually at the consumer banks. We're a business bank and there's obviously many business banks out there, but it's typically the consumer bank where you're dealing with, you know, a branch manager or, um, or you know, a new accounts person in the branch. That's typically where this all goes wrong. Business banks are different. You have access to senior management, and you have a senior management banker. So it's a little bit different than you know just walking into a branch. But but so typically the management company will say yes because they think that they are. So my very candid advice to the homeowners and landlords is don't just take their word for it because unfortunately they're taking their branch manager's word for it, and that may not be correct. You can request a letter from the bank and you would want specific information within that letter. So for instance, we have a letter that we can provide and we address it to the management company, but it's it's up to the management company to disperse that to their clients. But we address it to the management company. We we do in much broader terms, but basically we say in this letter... Yeah, kind of a almost a letter of authorization that yes, you have a bona fide trust account place. Interesting. Okay. It is, but you do want that specific information in there. So you want, for instance, you want them to say what the rules are for each for the state that you're in. You want them to then verify below or, or above that based on those rules and those standards and the federal guidelines that you are, in fact, in a trust account. All right. Well, I'm going to keep moving here because we are up against a little bit of time constraint here. So, all right, trust accounts and those same do-it-yourself homeowners. If, if I'm a do-it-myself homeowner and I put my house on Craigslist and I independently rent to somebody as a tenant, am I required to protect it in some kind of a trust account or does it not apply to your typical individual landlords? So I can't, so I can tell you my understanding of the rule. For it again, it is actually always different in most states, but the safest way to the rule, I can't tell you specifically because I'm not again, I bank the management companies in the trust yeah, accounts. Yeah, I'm sorry if I'm putting you in a in a no, <laughs> position. No, 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 no. That's that's perfectly fine. And honestly, this is the safer way to do it regardless of what the rule is. So I'll just tell you my opinion on that matter. That it should be put into an escrow account or a trust account. I know for instance, I, and I don't bank any management companies in Massachusetts because of their Department of Real Estate rules, but the landlords must hold the security deposits in a separate account. 
and it must be earning interest. It doesn't actually say in there or clarify in there that it must be a trust account. But like I said, if it's not your money, it should be in trust so that you're not at all because of anything that may happen to you in your account. So I would say to hold it into a trust. But again, I, I, I don't specialize in that. So Well, there are lots of legal and personal issues that do-it-yourself homeowners can, you know, get into trouble when they're renting their house. And this is just one of them, right? I mean, I I interviewed a eviction attorney this morning and he was saying that the, you know, highest percentage of clients that come to him are individual owner homeowners that aren't managing their lease properly, nor the tenant, and they get themselves in trouble and end up in court, you know? So just another good reason to hire a property manager and get somebody who, you know, has a bonafide trust account and is protecting the funds on both sides, both the owner's funds and the, and the tenant's funds. I would certainly with any investment property, I would certainly, because I've heard such horror stories, I would certainly put my property with a property manager. Yes. Okay. Well, good. Thanks for that. Thanks for that endorsement. Um, okay. We've already talked a little bit about the fiduciary responsibility and uh, of, you know, taking funds and depositing them into trust. I mean, that's kind of the process. So we accept rent, we accept owner deposits, they have to go into trust. What is the concept called commingling? Maybe you can touch on that a little bit because we have two accounts with you. We have a trust account and we also have our operating account and you can't commingle between the two. So can you touch on that just a bit? I know you're not an accountant, but maybe you can at least explain the concept. Yeah. So it, it really, it, it, I mean, you actually just answered it, but it, it, <laughs> okay, is, it, <laughs> it is that the broker, no, that's okay. It's that the no broker, no funds that belong to the broker can be held within the trust account with the exception of a $200 reserve that you can put in there that belongs to, you know, you, the company can go into the trust account, but that is it. There cannot be anything. For instance, if let's say, Bob, you have investment properties, you cannot have any of your investment properties, even though they're investment properties and you're renting them out, they cannot be in the same trust account as your, you know, your third party management owners. Right. And vice versa. I mean, if I'm taking a rent deposit from somebody, I can't put that in the operating account that I'm using mm-hmm. to pay my employees, pay the rent for, for our office or, you know, whatever corporate expenses we may have. So here's a scenario. Let's say a company collects rent or in um, in cash one day. The tenant comes in and gives them cash and they can't get to a bank to deposit that cash, but they have a check scanner in the office. They cannot write themselves, a, or they cannot deposit that those funds into their operating account and then write a check from the operating account into the trust account because that, the, that is still commingling. That means that for Technically even- Technically commingling, sure. Yeah, even for a minute, money that did not belong to them and belonged to an owner or a tenant went into their operating account. All right. Terrific. What else, Allison? Are there any other aspects specific to um, trust accounts? I mean, I guess we know about commingling now. Um, there are certain things that can be paid and shouldn't be paid out of the trust. And also, you know, the same applies to the corp- uh, to the operating account. So what what can the trust account funds be used for? And I know you're not an accountant, so I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position here with the question, but I just, you know, conceptually, I guess. Well, my very vague response, I apologize, but my very vague response would be anything that's not, that is related, I'm sorry, that is related to the property. So um, property mortgage payments, property management commissions, 
So that's when the, the owner or the broker would pay themselves. We pay ourselves, sure. Account into the into the operating account. Um, district, of course, district distribution for owners. So each month you do your owner draw. That that's what we use for releasing security deposits or prepaid rent. And like I said, anything related to the property. So if you have maintenance on the property, that would all be paid out of the trust. So payments account. to vendors, to you know, plumbers, electricians, people who have worked on that specific property. Uh, payments to gardeners and pool guys and, and the yeah, like. Insur- insurance companies. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that is pretty clear. I think I'm, uh, I'm good. I think this has been a great discussion. Is there anything else that you'd like to bring up? Any other aspects that, that you'd like to discuss or mention? Well, how much time do I have? <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're kind of getting to the, to the limit here. So I know. Like some of these topics and these podcasts could go on for hours, right? And I'm sure this is one of those. I always say, I don't know what it says about me, but I love talking about this subject. But I will say, you know, you want to, if you're, I would say to the landlord or, you know, the landlord slash homeowner, I would say that when you're interviewing a property management company, of course, find out whether or not they're in a trust account, get it in writing. Um, And if you get it in writing from their bank, even better. And uh, find out who is signing on those accounts. So that is also a big one. Only specific people can sign on the broker's trust account. And that is the broker um, and whose uh, name the account is ma- maintained. The designated broker, which would, which for instance would be Bob or uh, North County Property Management Group. And a salesperson licensed to Bob. Now, if, there, if, if there's anyone who's not a broker or an agent signing on that trust account, you want to ensure that they have a fiduciary bond insured up to the maximum amount that they have availability to at any time. Because let's say, for instance, they let their bookkeeper who doesn't have a fiduciary bond or who is not an agent signing on those trust accounts, that happens a lot right there. And those funds could easily disappear because they weren't eligible signers. Okay. Well, that's all good to know. And so I think it's probably somewhat commonplace that an accounting manager might have some degree of signing authority. So it's just important to make sure that if that's the case, that those people have the fiduciary bond in place. Yes. Okay, terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I know you're in the middle of a move to Boston and we're on separate coasts. Must, how's the weather back there, by the way? It must be freezing. Um, well, yeah, let's don't ask. Okay. <laughs> no, I will say um, today it was a nice, warm 39 degrees. We're getting somewhere. Yeah. A little bit different here in California, <laughs> although we have have had a lot of rain. Okay. Anyway, that was really good, great. Extremely useful information that I'm sure our listeners can utilize and consider if they're thinking about renting their home or hiring a property manager. And once again, if someone is interested in contacting you for a or more information or a quote or maybe coming to your bank as a property manager, your phone number once more. Sure. It is 619-988-6708. And it's Allison DeSaro. Thank you so much, Allison. We really appreciate you being here. That concludes today's episode. Thank you all for joining the Property Management Brainstorm podcast. And until next time, we will be in the field working hard for our clients to maximize their property value and income and maintain top tenant relations. And thank you for joining us again, Allison, and we will see you next time.